With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into Baruch Ass. Another episode here for you this week. Ready to talk all things Michigan Athletics. Luke Gierty here with you. Joined by Anthony Baruch. No Chris Castellani tonight. And I understand we are a couple days later than we normally are. I apologize for that. Uh, our Monday recording session just didn't work out, but better late than never. That's what I always say. But I'm thrilled to be joined by Anthony Baruch. This is going to be a fun episode. A lot to get to tonight, Anthony. How you doing? Uh, to put it professionally, uh, we'll just call it scheduling issues or clash of scheduling issues. We'll, we'll just There's, leave it at that. There's the, the no nice need to thing, expand on that. The, the nice thing about about podcasting is that, you know, sometimes things come up and, and we're able to put it off and, until a couple days later, but we're going to give them a good show, you know? Yeah, and I'm glad we did because I actually think the things that we want to talk about, obviously Michigan basketball, we're going to lead with that here. But then if we would have recorded a show on Monday night, we're having we're not even having a discussion about the, the Urban Meyer stuff and it won't what ended up going down at Ohio State earlier this week. So glad we're here for that. Uh, it sucks that Chris isn't here tonight, but again, scheduling conflicts had to move some stuff around. Uh, but Luke and I are here, and we'll do our best to uh, to uh, the show must go on as uh, as Queen once sang. I like it. I like it, man. I love. Did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? By the way. I did, and and we were going to talk about this uh, if Chris was on here, but I'll just since you brought it up, I'll say it anyways. I was not very thrilled with it, and did you see it? I have not. Nope. All right. Well, uh, spoilers: Freddie Mercury dies of AIDS. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Spoiler. I didn't want Damn to spoil it! The movie. Damn it! Oh man. No. Um, it's it's a good movie, but it's not a good or even accurate 
biography of Queen. I mean, there was stuff that they literally just disregard. Like, I know that you got to change some things for dramatic license and, and, and things like that. But like, I watched a couple of Queen documentaries on YouTube before I saw the movie, just like, you know, one of those YouTube like rabbit holes that you go down. And it's like, it's jarring some of the things that they changed to like, I don't know if it was just to make the movie more dramatic or that was surprising to me because queen, the members of queen that are still around were actually like involved in this movie. So it was weird. Like go see it. Like the concerts, like the concert recreations are amazing. Like if you're going to go see it, go see it in theaters. But um, if you're looking for a tried and true pulling back of the curtain on, on Freddie Mercury and, they can just kind of handle everything with kids' gloves. And I don't think there's really anything in it that you can't find on the Wikipedia page. Or it just doesn't exist. So that's my 35-second movie review, however long that was. Yeah, and you echoed uh, a lot of the things that I've seen about the movie. Kind of They, they kind of just gloss over his past sort of thing, like like his, his upbringing and everything like that. Well, here's the thing. And I don't know. This, how do I put this? I mean, there's no way to put it lightly. Like Freddie Mercury was a gay man and he yeah. was like an icon in that, in that community. But like, it was sort of just treated like, Oh, that's just, that's just silly old Fred. You know, right. It's never like, there's a lot of other stuff that that's going on there that they just didn't touch at all. And actually Sasha Baron Cohen was supposed to be Freddie Mercury uh, way back when this thing was still in development. And he kind of just left the project because I think there were darker things about, Freddie and the history of the band that they, the band just wasn't comfortable hitting on. So, I mean, it's, it's worth seeing. Um, I mean, I saw it with, with family and, and in a theater with people who I don't necessarily think like entirely knew the backstory of the band and, and they all loved it. I liked it. It was okay, but uh, a little bit disappointed. That's all. Hadn't been to the movies in a while. And uh, you know, I was a little, a little disappointed. That's all. But Hey, um, just that was one a Saturday of night things. thing. Yeah. First Saturday night without uh, co- first Saturday without college football in a while. I I had watched a little bit of Oklahoma Texas, but other than that, I went college football free. Michigan basketball was on in the afternoon. I paint did some painting in the hall or at my house in the hallway. Like I just it's your homeowner over there. Hey man, like I watch a lot of HGTV during the day because <laughs> it's it's on. It's background noise like. I've probably seen like the entire like fixer upper like back catalog like three or four times over. So that that I, goddamn uh, what's his name uh, starts with a C. What Chet is that his name? Chip. Oh, Chip. It's Chip. Chip oh. and Joe. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been forced to to watch it. It's not a bad show. Uh, they're, it's a great they're, show. They're kind of just primarily in like Waco though, right? Like they only do like Texas. Yeah. Yeah, so they have, like, Magnolia Farms, and then they have, like, the Magnolia Bakery. Like, everything that they do is, like, Magnolia something. And, like, I would love to go to, like, I've heard Waco's great, but, like, I'm going, if I'm going to Waco, I'm going to Magnolia Farms. I'm going to the bakery. You might you might see Chip and Joanna serving you some muffins or some cupcakes. Just, like... <laughs> I'm going to be honest, though, man. Every time I've seen that show, like, I get exhausted, like, watching him because they got, like, all those animals on the farm that he's going to fix up houses. Like, I'm sitting in a in a recliner watching it. I'm exhausted just watching it. Yeah, that guy, Chip Gaines, is, like, I mean, when people say, like, man's man, they're like, oh, well, this guy loves cars and he has a motorcycle and he's, you know, got four fantasy football teams. But Chip Gaines, like, to me, that's a man's man who, like, you kick ass on the farm, 
you kick ass like sawing stuff and, and renovating houses and sawing stuff. That's like, he's good at doing that sawing stuff, <laughs> but he's like, and then after at, when it's all said and done, he still has the energy to like love his wife and love his children. So like, that's, that's awesome. And the thing that's hilarious about that show too, is that like, I'm sure that there is a drinking game out there for like do a shot or whatever. Every time they say shiplap, Joanna loves shiplap. There's, there's not going to be any shiplap here. And the houses they do are way fancier than what I'm working with. But, like, yeah, there's always a little inspiration there. You know, always. I happen upon Home Depot kind of a lot these days. And, like, <laughs> sometimes, you, like, remember as a kid, like, you go to Home Depot and you just wanted to get out of there. Like, now. I just want to go sleep. play in, like, the lumber or something like yeah. that. You know, climb, yeah. on, climb on all the lumber. Yeah. But now I'm, like, I go there and. I don't just go for like, oh, see, I need a can of paint or I need, uh, you know, light bulbs. I like walk around the store and I'm like, I'm like budgeting stuff in my head. Like, okay, if I want to redo the bathroom, it's going to cost like $400 for a vanity tile. I'll see how much it costs per square foot. What kind of paint do I want to do there? Like, that's where my head's going now. So it's like, now that to bring this all kind of full circle here, now that we're, I mean, football season isn't over, but it kind of almost feels like it's over could be a little a little more I mean, a little more yeah. project time here are you are you uh are you like ron swanson level-ish where, where the guy asks you if you need help and you just you just straight up i know more <laughs> i know than more you. than you yeah no that's me at best buy though like <laughs> not at home depot so much as like best buy like best buy that's sto- like so they have the rewards program there and like I'm part of it. Of course, you got to rack up your rewards points. You know, you get $5 certificate. You spend so much money, whatever it is. But there, there were a couple of years there where like, I was just, just out of high school, like going to community college. So like I, I was paying for school, but like it didn't cost all that much. And I was working like 70 hours a week. So I had a lot of money. So like back, back in those days, I was like slowly starting to pre- procure stuff to position myself to move out. Like we're talking TVs, sound bar, subwoofer, all this kind of stuff. So there were a couple of years there where I, I had like the silver status at like the Best Buy Rewards Club. So um, those days have slowed down. Um, I have bills to pay now and a mouth to feed here. Uh, it's not a human mouth. It is a dog mouth, but whew, yeah, it's, um, I love football as much as the next guy, but I always look forward to, you know, it's, it's a rush. Like it's the, your three months of bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, what do I do the other, you know, eight months, nine months, whatever it is. So, um, there are no shortage of things for me to do to fill the time. So that'll include doing the projects around the house, going to the movies, things like that. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, you also have some Michigan basketball to fill your time, Anthony, because I've got to say. What a great escape. Uh, oh, I, I mean, thank God for that. Because so here's the thing about Michigan basketball is they've allowed us to transition kind of seamlessly from the heartbreak of that Ohio State football game into uh, something that's exciting to root for. Michigan football is exciting to root for all year long. Like, don't get me wrong there. That's not at all what I'm saying. But it, it's allowed us to kind of ease the pain a little bit. Though my pain isn't going to be eased completely because – so here's the thing about football, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this a little bit before we completely dive in to basketball, is 
the whole, you know, I, I'm seeing it all the time, the basketball school, the basketball school. And there was even a sign uh, at the Purdue game that someone was holding up, said, we are a basketball school now or something like that. It, well, my question me, is. So this is kind of an announcement too. like there are basketball school T-shirts coming in the works. They're on the way. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> we're, it sounded like you're kind of going to start like deriding that and kind of making fun of it. I was like, wait, 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 don't yeah. do that just yet. Like, <laughs> and and, and I, I'm not making fun of it, but I, I do want to say, here's the no, litmus it's, test. It's kind of, it's a meme now yeah. is what it is. Cause here's the litmus test is pretty much ask the fan base what they would rather win a national championship in football or basketball. And that's, that's where you have your answer. Like Kentucky's going to say basketball. Kentucky loves basketball. Like UNC is probably going to say basketball. They don't really care about the football program. Like Kentucky, Kentucky, when they were good this year at football, like the fan base was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of a cool plus, but we're still ready for basketball season sort of thing. But if you have polled Michigan fans, this might be a good poll for the Twitter account. You know, what would you rather see a national championship in football or basketball? Like I'm saying football every time you might be different though. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting debate because if we're talking in the right here, right now, I want to see basketball do it because they've been so close. They've been winning big 10 titles. They've been going to final fours. They've been to, you know, sweet 16s and elite eights. All that's really left for John Beeline to do. And like, he doesn't even have to do this to be considered great, but like all that, all that's left to do is win the national title. Right. So in that respect, it's absolutely like it's basketball to me. Like, and it's not even really debatable. Now you're gonna say football, but like you haven't even won the Big Ten since 2004. So right, and, and I kind of meant I I meant like at the take yourself back to the beginning of football season, or we'll, we'll, even better, we'll take you back to May. So you're after basketball, still a couple months before football, and if you would have asked yourself then, okay, you have the option of winning the football national championship this year in football or basketball national championship in basketball. Like, which one do you feel deep down you would have said, okay, this is the one I want to see? Well, when you put it that way, like, yes, it would be football. But the thing with – here's the thing with football is that knowing that they've won a national title would have meant that they've knocked so many other narratives off the board. And and to their credit, like, football knocked – a ton of, of a ton of those narratives off the board this year said they couldn't beat uh, rivals. They said they couldn't, uh, you know, and they did only go one and two against rivals, but you know, when they beat Michigan state, Michigan state was ranked and it was on the road. You know, they, they avenged a bunch of other losses. They found a quarterback. They had a good offensive line. Like, yeah. If you would have told like, if you tell me, yeah, uh, do you want Michigan to win the national title in football? Yeah. Because that means that only not means that, you've answered a lot of these questions emphatically. It means that you probably beat Alabama or you probably beat Clemson or something like that, which is right now. I don't care what you say. Like that's absolutely unheard of. Like for them to do that as constructed right now, whereas basketball, you're like, yeah, if they, it wouldn't surprise me if basketball won a national title. So if, if, if you frame it in that regard, then yeah, it would be Michigan football. I just answered both. I gave both answers to the same question. Yeah. <laughs> Way well, to sit on the fence, broom. <laughs> uh, but this this basketball season, the start of it, uh, it it's been. Uh, I'm I'm going to be honest with you, exceeded every expectation that I had. So I, I knew Michigan basketball was going to be good this year. I I was actually getting upset, like Andy Katz, Seth Davis, the guys who get paid to like write about college basketball and follow this sport immensely close close were so lazy 
in the way they went about the fact that they left Michigan out of like their top 25, top 30 with any cats or, or whatever they did, but like had Michigan state top 10, you know, like that is, and this isn't to disparage Michigan state by any stretch, but, but that's how lazy kind of the tropes are getting in the sense that John Beeline went to a national championship last year. Yeah. He lost three of his top four scores. Michigan state lost two lottery picks on a team that didn't make it to the second weekend. You know, and that's it, it, it's at some point it gets tiring that John Beeline and his teams get disrespected year in, year out to begin the year until they go prove you wrong. And then you're like, oh, wow, look at John Beeline. He's done such a good job with a team that wasn't expected. Like, no, only you didn't expect them to do anything. Having said that, I did not expect them to go on the road and beat Villanova. And honestly, I didn't expect them to beat UNC at home. I thought this was going to be similar to last year and where Michigan State, they won some games. They got better as the year went on. And by the time, you know, the Big Ten tournament goes around, maybe they make a run. Maybe they make another run in the NCAA tournament. Anthony, this team is elite, man. This is one of the top four teams in the country in my eyes. Yeah, that's that's the most surprising thing to me is that I knew that I, I feel like I knew that for them going, you could be pretty confident saying that going into March, they're going to be a team that has a chance to win it all. Cause that's, they're that talented. They're that well coached, all of that. But we've, we've seen this in the past. And even, you know, when I, I did that interview with Mo Wagner back in September and I asked him like, it's going to take a while for these guys, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, it's a process. Like it's tough. Like the, the non-conference for Michigan traditionally has been a, a learning curve and it's been a rough go of it at times. Uh, and to see them, you know, obviously Villanova, North Carolina, huge wins, blowout wins. Um, I don't, North Carolina is very good, but that Villanova team is not on the level of the Villanova team that they've Correct. played in the national Correct. So like, But it's but so not, hard like, to go you, into Pauly and win like, you, like the way they did. Yeah, you went there and won by 30. So like right off the bat, nobody does that to them. It's just like, yeah, this year in football, Wisconsin wasn't what they have been. But nobody blows out the way blows out Wisconsin the way that Michigan football did, and a lot, you know, to, in a similar regard to what this basketball team has done to a couple of blue blood programs. I mean, I was at that game against North Carolina, and my jaw hit the floor. Like I did not expect that at all. Like when they when they came out early, went down. What was it, I think twenty twenty two to twelve or twenty two eleven or something like that. I was like, you know what, water's going to find its level, but this feels about right. Uh, it's Water is finding its level. Michigan's coming back down to earth. And all they did from there was run what I think is definitely will be a top 10 team heading into March Madness uh, when we get there. They ran them right out of the building. And and the atmosphere was amazing. Like anyone who says that Chrysler doesn't have a good home atmosphere, like when that building oh. is full, it's now, now here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to fill that building because you will have, you know, an 8.30 tip-off on a Tuesday against um, Northwestern or something like that. So it's a program that's still kind of – I don't know if they'll ever get to the point where you're filling up the – like it's not going to be like Cameron Indoor where, you know, if South Dakota State's there, students are still lined up for like two days waiting to get inside. So it's never going to be like that. But when that place is rocking, it's it's electric. It's a special place. And, and you know, to see what this team has done so far, I mean – I don't know. It's I go through, I look at the rankings, like rankings this time of year mean nothing to me. No. Um, rankings, like you said, coming into the year, 
I saw, I forget who the talking head was, but it's like, oh, Charles Matthews is coming back to Michigan. I have them as a fringe top 25 team now. It's like, what? what? Charles Matthews, like, if you really think about it, he's maybe the third best player on the team right now. Like, well, it's like... My favorite thing was was the fact that they're like, oh, they lost, you know, Mo Wagner or whatever, and they they don't have like uh, the, the laziest was talking about their recruiting class. Like, two forty seven composite had Michigan as the, the number twelve recruiting class and higher a lot of the times before that. But like like Iggy coming in, Brandon Johns and, and David DeHulius and, and Brandon Johns haven't really contributed yet. But I, I mean, it's it's not like the recruiting class was just scrubs and then you had xavier simpson oh, uh still that's his best class really I mean, yeah this is yeah this is his, his best really. class probably um it's probably comparable with the with the 2012 class with gr3 and uh, mitch mcgarry coming in together and nick stauskas when you take a look back at that class wow um but uh for the most part like like this was a good recruiting class you had a lot of good pieces hell th- Charles Matthews, like everyone's talking about Mo Wagner. Charles Matthews was the West Region most outstanding player in the tournament last year. And then, yeah, and you know, yeah, go, no, ahead. go ahead. You go ahead. No, you, no, you hang up. Yeah. No, you hang up. Um, <laughs> the crazy thing about this team is that um, Charles Matthews is a great player. But like, if you think like when you're deep enough to where on any given night, Xavier Simpson could have a big game. Now he didn't have a very good game against Northwestern. Kind of kind of shot Northwestern back into the game and people were dogging, you know, the Twitter mentality, get this guy off the floor, yada, 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 forgetting like the uh, teardrops he had and the great defense he plays. Like that was a hostile environment they played in in, at Northwestern and without getting too off track or like they needed that to happen because they've been blowing the doors off everyone this year. So at some point that was the best thing that could have happened to them. Absolutely. And even if they had lost that game, like, yeah, it would have sucked, but would you, I wouldn't have felt any different about them. It's, you know, it is what it is. But I feel really good that they won that game and they're two and zero in the conference, including a very tough win where they face some adversity on the road in the Big Ten. There's no bad losses in this conference on the road. No, no bad wins. Bad wins. Excuse me. There's no bad wins in in the on the road in this conference. Of course not. And it's one of those things where the great thing about how they're constructed, and this is you know we've we've talked about this ad nauseum, the way that they are defensively. If they have a bad night shooting, a lot of times they're gonna be okay because they're gonna keep a lot of teams into the sixty in the sixties, mm-hmm. maybe the mid fifties, a lot of times maybe even lower than that when they're really locked in. So I think it's telling though, like Xavier Simpson could have a big game and a couple other guys may kind of fall by the wayside. Jordan Poole was I don't want to say he was left for dead early on in the year, but you had people going, Oh God, Jordan Poole can't really get it going. They have to start bringing him off the bench. But all he's done has been—he's been excellent since then. Charles Matthews, obviously. Bras Dakis, to me, through what whatever it is, is this nine games they played now, nine and zero, eight and zero, something like that. Yeah. Um, the most impressive nine-game stretch I've seen a freshman play at Michigan ever. I, I think, uh, all things considered, I me mean, now. He is a freshman, but there's a little bit of there is the asterisk next to it that he's like 20 years old and things like that. But like physically, he like th- he's a one and done. Like this is not no question. Hot t- this is this is not hot take radio. Like he is he's physically ready. The mental makeup is there. He can he can slash. He can shoot. He can play defense. He can pass. 
the dude does it all. And he's, I think that he'll be a lottery pick, but like without question, he's a one and done. So enjoy him while you can. It's just one of those things. And then John, like you saw how valuable John Teske was when he was off the court. Like that's a guy that like, so your starting five are on any given night could be the best player on the floor, which is, you don't have that at a lot of schools like Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina. They have that a lot, but Michigan, I can't remember a time where they've always had that. And then, you know, if, if Tusky gets into foul trouble, you can bring in livers off the bench to play the five. Or, or if Brozdakis has foul trouble, bring livers off the bench. You got Eli Brooks, who I think has played pretty well. Austin Davis. This is where I think that it might be like Austin Davis to me is what he is. You might, you're going right. to get some good minutes out of him every once in a while, but there are going to be times where people are going to go at him because he's just not like, I don't, he's, he's solid, but he's not, there's a drop off there when Tusky is off the, the floor. So I think at some point Beeline has talked about this too. He said, cause he's trying, he's like Nick Saban. Remember Nick Saban always says, can you guys please try and find something negative to talk about? Stop praising us so much so we can have stuff to work on. Like someone had sort of asked Beeline a question like that last week. And he said, one of the things I'd like us to improve on is I want to get our freshmen more involved a little bit. So that, you know, that means, uh, uh, DeJulius, Brandon Johns. Yeah. I think Brandon Johns in general, if Tusk, I think that and he's, he's the guy for, he's the guy for Davis. Like Davis was minus 15 last night yeah. uh, in the plus minus. So I think now, now that you're going to pause, it's weird. You play these two conference games, then you hit pause and play a couple more non-conference games until picks back up after the new year. So I think in these next few games here, I do think that we're going to start seeing a little bit more Brandon Johns, but overall uh, I look at the rankings right now uh, to me, Gonzaga always historically great, but to me, I look long-term with them. Um, A lot of times they do flame out, but right now they look terrific. Kansas looks very good. Duke. I'm going to like, I've been on record. I don't, I don't, I think when it's all said and done, I don't think anyone's going to beat Duke this year. But when you start talking outside of Kansas, Gonzaga, and Duke, I don't think anyone is better than Michigan right no. now. Like that, would, those are the four, those are the four right now. So, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself here, but whether Michigan's there or not, I mean, Final Four is in Minneapolis this year, and, and I'd like to go, but I kind of like, I feel like if I buy those tickets, there, there's a decent shot that Michigan's right. there because they're only they're only going to get better. And you mentioned you don't really care about rankings this early, and the only rankings that I really care about this early are those of Kent Palm. And I go look at these numbers right now. So Kent Palm has Michigan as the number five team. Uh, Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, Virginia are, are in his top four. But these numbers stick out to me is that Michigan's number one in adjusted defense this year. And... Would you like to know by how much? Michigan is at 86.7 is their adjusted defensive number. The lower the better. The difference between Michigan and Virginia, which is number two, is larger than Virginia and number 10 Penn State. So that's how much better Michigan is defensively than any team in the country. Like in this team, if this team can play elite defense and get any sense of a of offense, which they rank number nineteen as an adjusted offense according to Ken Palm, 
it's kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, anytime, like, I'm just going to go on the record and say, like, I don't completely understand, like, I'm, I'm a little bit of a caveman in that I don't really understand Kate, uh, Ken Palm and a lot of these metrics. I know that when I go to Ken Palm and I see, you know, whatever you said the number was 86.7 and I see a little number one next to it, I know it's pretty goddamn good. Like, <laughs> that's what I know. But uh, a lot of that stuff, like I see all these, uh, U Hoops does a great job, but they've, they've got a, a ton of me- uh, metrics that they send out during games. And like, I want to understand it more, but I don't. I just know that certain numbers mean that you're pretty good. And certain uh, metrics mean that you're pretty good in. And right now they're checking all the boxes. And I think what sticks out to me, it's not just, you know, they've got a, first and foremost, they're a team. They play together. They generally love each other as brothers, uh, which is such a cliche sounding thing, but it is what it is. Those guys are all best friends. They're very close. So there's that. They play for each other. They're all more than athletic enough. But there's that the willingness to like give yourself up to defense. Like you see them getting to fighting for loose balls, and you know when the ball goes down to the post, both hands go up. Like everything that you you're taught to do. I just think of these little like fifth and sixth grade basketball camps that I used to go to as a kid. It just seems like every fundamental thing that I ever learned at those camps or that these players have ever been taught is what they do. So that's just the most impressive thing is that, you know, almost every shot is contested. It's more like when you see a team get a wide open look and you know, basketball, you got, you know, I don't know how many possessions during a game, but you go up and down the court as many times as these teams do. Like you're gonna, there's going to be a blown cup. Like just like if you have a good defense, like you're going to blow a a, a good defense in football, you're going to blow coverage from time to time. You're going to miss an assignment here and there. It's, it's all about that next possession and what you do and you don't let it become a trend. And this team doesn't let it become a trend. And it's, um, you know, the scoring droughts and things are going to happen. Like I said, it's it's not what we talk about outside shooting. Like this is far from John B. Lang's best out, outside shooting team. They're more incapable. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where you're going to see a lot of times that this team struggles to score. They may only score 60 points but they may hold the team that they're playing to like 52. So that that's to me, what a 180. Like we talked about in our last show, how Jim Harbaugh and football need to adjust to, you know, do the things they need to do to compete more on a national level, to win some more of these big games, the way that John Beeline has adjusted and, and brought in Sadie Washington and, and coach Yaklich. And before that was Billy Donlin, who's with Northwestern now the way that they've turned things around defensively mm-hmm. and the way that it's not just been, you know, um, you know, I don't know how, what to call it. I mean, a lot of those early beeline teams had to be good outside shooting because they couldn't do anything else. They didn't have the athletes to, we see that a lot with our alma mater, the way they play basketball, they just don't have the athletes. So they have to be good from the outside. Now they have the Michigan has the athletes, they can do whatever they want. They can win. I, I mean, this team is built to win any type of game they get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, and, things are looking good early on. And, you, you know, you don't, I think I saw, I don't know if it was Kempom that had this metric or, or I saw a metric tweeted out earlier today where I think Mich- they said that Michigan has a 90% chance of getting to January 1st undefeated. So Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean, it's, so you got, South Carolina next on Saturday at home. We got three straight home games here. South Carolina, Western Michigan, and Air Force. Uh, four straight. Well, actually, five, six, six straight. Because you've got Penn State, Indiana on January 3rd and January 6th. Uh, 
So you finished out South Carolina, Western Michigan, Air Force, and Binghamton. Yep. So, I mean, South Carolina can give them a game. Oh, no question. No, don't other, don't count on Frank Martin in that squad. So, yeah, that's where they're at right now. Uh, 9-0, looking at like a pretty solid chance to get 13-0. And yeah. then, I mean, I, I think they're better than Penn State. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Illinois. They'll get Northwestern again. And then January 19th, you go to Wisconsin. So that's – I don't want to say that they don't have any hard games before then, but, like, that's kind of the next big, big, like, road test. Well, that, yeah, because Illinois is their only road test at, until they go to Wisconsin. Yeah, you and know Illinois has given them some problems yeah. in the past. But we've, we've, I mean, any road, any road game in the Big Ten is difficult. Yeah, so the next two road games are at Illinois, at Wisconsin. So, I mean, I would imagine they'd beat Illinois still, even if it's like a game we saw on Tuesday night. But, um, you know, it'll be. I, I'm just scrolling through the schedule here. I mean, they've got. You know, we've always seen them have like the death stretch, but at, at the end of the year, I mean, you got. Michigan State at home, Nebraska at home, Maryland on the road. Then you finish the year at Breslin. So like that's kind of that's going to be like the stretch at the end of the year. But by March, you know, March first or February February twenty fourth, they play Michigan State for the first time. I think uh, who, I think who knows what this team will look like. By right, then. and I and I think, but also who knows what State will look like by then too. I mean, they are they a lot of times they have done the same and and peaked late on in the year. So I think twenty fourteen was the last year that they had a, a, a gauntlet that I remember. That, and they won all three games, actually. I think they played three top ten teams, like back-to-back-to-back, to back to yes. back, and they won all three. Remember that, Ron? Oh, my God. I do. I remember thinking, because that was, that was the year after the national title year. So that was when yep. you had Nick Stauskas, Derek Walton, um, Zach Irvin, all those, all those guys. And you're like, God, if they could just go to this stretch and win one out of these three, like – you'll feel pretty good about it. And then they went and won all three. So it was like, and I remember, I remember watching, here's a little Mount Pleasant, uh, Mount Pleasant trivia for you. I watched that Wisconsin game at O'Kelly's because I remember watching it on the big screen there. So memories, man. Can't believe it's been that long already. That goddamn Aaron Harrison that year. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I only saw like the last minute and change of that, that Elite Eight game because I had to work I was working that day when this is when I was at the grocery store stocking freezers and things like that. So I was like watching it. I, I happened, I found the spot in the freezers where I could get a decent signal on my phone. So I was literally just like following the game on Twitter. So like I finally like got back to my apartment in like just enough time for like the stretch run. Like they had gone to their final commercial break. Like, here we go. It's on. And then like, that's how it ended. It's like, Oh man. Because the Harrison brothers were supposed to be like this amazing, mm-hmm. like this amazing duo, and like they ended up being okay, but like they were never anything special. And like for it to end like that season to end like that, um, that sucked. That was not fun. No, 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 it was not. Um, but I and real quick before we move on, I want to go back to your point about the turnaround. So you think back to that 2013 national championship run, uh. Michigan had the number one adjusted offense in the country that year, according to Ken Palm, number 37 in adjusted defense. So just think about that. Quite a turnaround. Luke Yaklich, that guy, is an absolute defensive genius. So this is going to be a fun run with the Michigan basketball team. But we do have one more Michigan football 
game that we have to talk about. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm so Do we have to. I'm so sick uh, of this matchup, Anthony. I'm, I'm uh, like I don't want to see Michigan Florida anymore. Like I don't care about Michigan Florida. Like if you're not going to the college football playoff, I feel like the whole bowl game experience. And if you're not going to the Rose Bowl as representative of the Big Ten, is the is to play someone that you don't normally play. Uh, Michigan. What was the? I'm gonna look this up right now because I I think I retweeted it or I bookmarked it. It, it it was an absolute yeah ridiculous stat. This according to uh Reddit Michigan Wolverines. Um, Michigan since Harbaugh became the head coach has played Florida more times than Minnesota, Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Is there is there a question there? Like, <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? That, like, that, that you're sick of this matchup too? I'm so bo- like I'm not I'm not sick of it because Michigan will win. Like I'm gonna sit like I'll sit here and call my shot today. They're gonna win, but it's a team that isn't gonna challenge them to do anything that we haven't seen them do all year. Like they'll be able to win by running the football and only throwing the ball like twenty to twenty five times. And Don Brown's defense will fig- like will be fine. They'll probably choke him out. Um, but be careful. Dan Mullen is going to talk to Urban Meyer. That was the big news of the day. Is that, oh, he's going to he's going to call Urban Meyer. Like, big deal. Yeah, um, like, if you, first of all, if you don't have the damn athletes that Ohio State does, it's not going to matter. Yeah, and they don't yet. Like, they pro- like they may at some point, but uh, no, the, the, big, the, the SEC East is Georgia's for a while, so I wouldn't hold my breath that, that Florida is going to end up being the next Ohio state. But so here's the thing. Like I, I kind of said this in jest. I was like, before they announced the matchups, I was like, so if Michigan plays Florida again, can we start considering them a rival to like bump Harbaugh's uh, record? In these I'm in, games? I'm in on that. I mean, technically like they've played them more times than Notre Dame. They will have played them as many times. Well, not as many, but uh, you know, you played Michigan state or Ohio state four times. I will have played Florida three times. Um, uh, how about we just kick Rutgers out of the conference and like Florida's just like the honorary member. Like I'm cool with considering that, but uh, seriously though, like it's just disappointing because like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know how these, these bull tie-ins work and, and things like that. But the fact that there were just so many, like you think they have to know, well, here's what they did. This will squash any of the takes we have about why they picked this matchup. Because it's a name brand Michigan, it's a name brand Florida, and people like you're just gonna get you know both of those fan bases are gonna travel. Like Florida fans don't have to go that far to Atlanta. There's actually a pretty big U of M contingent down in Atlanta, so you'll get all those people. People are gonna travel from up here. Like those two fan bases travel and they watch and they watch in high numbers. So um, if you're gonna put a bowl game on, what is it? It's like it's like a noon game on December 29th. Like yeah, December 29th on Friday. So like, that's if you're gonna play a bowl at noon, you at least it's know a it's a Saturday. De- December 29th is a Saturday, so it is a Saturday. But still, like you know that you're gonna get. All right, let's see what game is on. Oh, Michigan, Florida. Uh, it's like uh, it's like watching Coke versus Pepsi. You know what I mean? Or uh, in this case, like. Coke versus Gatorade, I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, it does. The matchup doesn't do anything for me. It is disappointing. And especially like, I don't, I wasn't going to like, here's the thing. And we've talked about this a little bit already. 
after the way that game went at Ohio State, I was fine with just like canceling the bowl game because like I was so disgusted with them. I didn't want to see. I, I just didn't want to see it. Uh, and now if, if they had gone on to Columbus and, you know, fought value, like f- put up a fight and just kind of lost, lost a heartbreaker. Not that that's not that that's a good thing, but if they at least showed some fight and played some, they played good football and lost, you could at least kind of like, all right, well, let's see if we can salvage this here and, and get 11 wins out of this season and, and whatnot. But like, I just don't, I, it, this does nothing for me. No. It really doesn't. And we'll cover it. Cause we have like, we have, we'll cover it. Cause that's what we do. We cover Michigan football. We cover Michigan basketball, but I sit here and I look at this matchup and it's like, these teams are pretty much the exact same teams they were last year, except they were better this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's really that's really all it is. Um, so I don't I, I mean, like we're we're gonna see like you said we're gonna see the same offense, which I hate, you know. And I don't know. You don't even we'll talk about this in a little bit, but you don't even have the angle of like Jim McElwain going up against Florida right anymore. exactly. Like, that's gone too. So like all of the. All the storylines, like now, to get to eleven wins, that like that's that's fine and good. Like that's a that's a big deal. Like it is. Like eleven wins is hard to get to, no matter which way you slice it up. But this is what bothers me about, like, oh, uh, people, you know, the, the articles this week. And we have one on our site, and I'm not dogging these guys. I respect their analysis and their opinion. But we have all these pieces about expand the playoff to eight, whatever. Well, if if there was an eight team playoff. Hypothetically, based on this year, Michigan would be in an eight-team playoff. They wouldn't have done anything to earn their way to that, right? You're just putting you're just putting the top eight ranked teams into a playoff. That's why, like, I don't know. And now my my question I, actually is, would they be? Because most of the eight-team playoffs is the the proposal is, um, the the Power Five champs. Uh, one group of five team and two at larges. The two at larges would have been Notre Dame and Georgia. So I don't think Michigan even gets in the 18 playoff this year. Um, probably not. But I think that you have the people that say that you shouldn't put the highest ranked group of five team in there either, because a lot of years it's not going to be an undefeated team. Like UCF isn't going to win forever. Uh, we've seen, you know, Boise State. The Boise States, the Western Michigans of the world, um, they've all had good years here and there, but um, there have been years where the highest ranked group of five team is only 10 and two. So like, let's say you're putting a 10 and two number 23 ranked. Uh, I'm just throwing a school out there. Cincinnati, you're just going to put them in the playoff. Now the playoff to me, and I guess this is kind of a segueing out of the peach bowl. Cause it's not interesting at all. Like I don't, I have nothing to say about it uh, other than, I mean, we'll, we'll there are some angles that we'll hit on when we're here as a crew and as we get closer to the game. But um, to me, the college football playoff four seem four is great right now because every single game in the regular season matters. Now they tried to make, they tried to change it to where every single game doesn't matter with all this talk of Georgia potentially getting in, but this playoff was so cut and dry that that was to me, that was just media machinations of like, Hey, we know who the four teams are, but we need to get these people to watch this playoff show because we got to build like, so what they did was they pushed this Georgia narrative and they're just, 
they keep cranking that out. And people are like, oh my God, are they actually going to do this? And then people tune in to see if the committee actually is stupid enough to do that. It's happened a few times. So like that was never, why, why even play the games if we're going to have this conversation out, if Georgia mm-hmm. should be in it? Well, you know, Georgia played a good half of football uh, against Dallas. Right. Like, they were probably. So did the Citadel. Uh, yeah. When did the Citadel and when did the playoff just be like the college football playoff? The objective is to put the four best teams that have a chance of winning it all into the playoff. It's not the best teams that have a chance to maybe upset Alabama because then we're talking like, you know, Hey, over the years, Ole Miss has given Alabama some problems. Maybe we should consider them for the playoff. It's like, it's not like Alabama being a superpower should not affect how that how that exactly so, dude that's exactly what i said i i ranted about this on my show i said i'm sick of alabama being the damn baseline like at some point wins and losses matter like hey bama is a great football team this year and they've won national championships but who's their best win this year lsu with three losses I mean, Bama's best win is Georgia. Yeah, well, yeah, now, yeah, right, right, right. But, I mean, uh, before that and going into that game, their best win wasn't much, and then they come back and beat Georgia, and Georgia's best win is Florida. Like, maybe the SEC just isn't that good this year. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And Bama could be a very good team, but I saw a team that's not the world beater that everyone thought they were. Yeah, that's fair. Um George is pretty damn good too, but at some point you have to reward teams that win the games. Like when you really look at it now, we know this isn't the case because we know that Georgia is better than Michigan. Like that's not a hot take at all. But when you look at the two resumes, Michigan was 10 and two, Georgia was uh, what? 11 and two now. So Georgia had a blowout loss to LSU. Michigan had a blowout loss to Ohio state. Georgia had a close loss to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Michigan had a close loss to Notre Dame, who is a playoff team. And deserves to be there because they won all of their games and they played some times. Right. So, yeah, to Michigan me, I mean, is Georgia. Well, yes. When you look at the resume, basically, yes. Um, that's that's where it at. That's that's what it is. So th- that that we try to and people are so listen. Bam, like Bama is in a his, historic like they're on a historic heater right now. It is what it is. But you can't. You can't position the playoff to be comprised of teams that have a chance to beat Bama. You have to put it of the four best teams in college football, whatever that those metrics say that they are. Clemson won their conference. Honestly, Clemson didn't really play anyone this year, but they won all of their games. Here's another sidebar. How impressive is it that three of the four playoff teams were undefeated yeah, this year? That's amazing. That's that's pretty cut and dry to me. So like you got to, I, I, mean, I don't feel terrible because I hate them, but you got to like feel for the big 10 at Ohio state, man, like a one loss big 10 champion gets left out. Like that's tough. Yeah. But you know what? Don't lose at 29. Don't, don't lose by 29 at Purdue. Fair. Simple as that. That, that is like, but my, if they lose me, by three at Purdue, are they in over Oklahoma? I think there's a chance of that. Absolutely. I think there's a chance of that, but also, Ohio State, now the committee talks about how they look at the entire body of work. Ohio State hadn't played a complete football game in like two and a half months between the time they played Tulane and the time that they played Michigan. Like, obviously what they did to Michigan was extremely eye-opening. 
but and and they deserve credit for that. Urban Meyer's staff coached their asses off. Whatever we've covered that. But when you sleepwalk through an entire season, you won a lot of a lot of games that shouldn't have been as close as they were, and then you lost by twenty nine right. on the road to a team that what Purdue was six and six, seven and five, something like that. I'm sorry, like Oklahoma lost to a pretty good Texas team by a field goal, and then they avenged that loss by beating Texas for their conference title. So to me, this was as cut and dry a playoff. As oh, 100%. Been but if, if you were to talk expansion, that would be the one, especially if you're on the big 10 side where it's like, well, let me tell you. So I wouldn't, if we're going to expand, I would go to six. I like six. I give the first, I like six. I go, I give the first two teams a buy. Cause like Alabama doesn't need to play three games. Um, Clemson doesn't need to play three games. Like let's, let's have that first weekend be like, sort of a first four time and on college campuses on college campuses. And then we'll go do the other stuff. I like I it. I have no issue with that. I like it. Cause if you want to, if you want to throw here's the thing, like I still think that you go by the six best, like the six best teams. You're not going by automatic bids, things like that. I don't even think they should be playing conference title games right now, because honestly conference championship weekend for the most part is boring as hell because you have, these like super top heavy um, divisions like the SEC West, like the Big Ten East, and they go play outside of like, okay, Alabama, Georgia. I get it. But like more often than not, Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State or Penn State is going to be playing like Wisconsin every once in a while. Maybe uh, Nebraska gets it together and gets there. Like, and most of the time, those teams are like nine and three or eight and four. So it's like, Really what your conference title game should be, first of all, I think you just need to rid yourself of divisions. Do what the Big 12 does is where your conference title game is sort of like a playoff to the playoff. You put your two best teams together. And people had said on Twitter uh, when I had this conversation earlier today, like, oh, but you really want to see Michigan-Ohio State two weeks in a row? Yeah, who gives who gives a shit? Like, it's not like – I know we call like, – it's called the game, but like – if it's the two best teams in the conference and, you know, say Michigan loses like they did, but then what if they come back the next week and reverse that and win like 48 to 14, then you're right back in the conversation. So those are the things like that, that I don't know. I think if I'm expanding, I'd go to six, but like four is four is fine right now. Like we want more, but like I want the regular season to mean something too. Like if you go to eight, you're going to have two lost, maybe sometimes three lost teams in there. Cause if it's like, say you had like a nine and three LSU people go, well, LSU plays in the SEC and they barely lost to Bama and they barely, uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, look, they're still a top 10 team. Like just put the best of the best in there because more, more often than not after that top five or six, like this year, I think we could say that there were six, I probably five, but maybe six that had a case, but like more often than not after that seven, eight, nine, I'm not interested in seeing you play for a national title because you're probably going to get your clock clean. It's as simple as that. Well, uh, thank you for the segue because according to everyone at uh, the press conference with Jim Delaney said, well, he was asked if you should match the two best teams instead of division champions for the Big Ten Championship. He said, quote, it's an item that has been discussed before. There's actually more discussion now than there was four years ago. End quote. So you could see the Big Ten go to that way. 
that the Big 12 doesn't. However, you have to remember the Big 12 actually only has 10 teams in the in the conference, whereas the Big 10 has 14. So uh, the question of balanced scheduling definitely comes into play. And I know it's already there now, but not as much necessarily with divisions as there would be with trying to figure out, you know, oh, are these the two best teams and whatnot? Because you're not going to play 13 conference games. That's just not going to happen. Um, but I will say this. I'd like to see it, but I don't mind the divisions thing as, as much as everyone else. And, you know, you mentioned, Anthony, you, you know, that you, would, you wouldn't mind seeing Michigan-Ohio State back-to-back and Michigan's right back in the conversation. But you said, hey, Ohio State, don't lose the on the road to Purdue by 29. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're Michigan, don't go into fucking Columbus and lose by 23. You know, like Michigan yeah. had their chance. And and they didn't yeah. and they didn't do what they needed to do. Like Michigan, Ohio State was a, uh, was probably a playoff game. Even though Ohio State didn't get in, I think Michigan would have gotten in with their resume and who their only loss was to. Like Michigan had their chance and they didn't capitalize on it. Like, do they deserve another chance? I don't know, maybe, but they but they had their shot and they came out and they laid an egg. And it's as simple as that. Like so. I don't mind the divisions per se because uh, I, I don't mind matching up two back to back. But I, and I and I I think it might take a little bit of luster out of that if you saw it back to back because going into that game in November, it, it was it would have been like oh the this game doesn't really matter all that much because these two teams are going to play next week anyway. It, it still would matter in the sense that Michigan, if they suffered their second loss, and the same with Ohio State, and even if they came back and won. The Big Ten wouldn't uh, have gotten a team in, and they didn't anyway. But I, I don't know. I think it still would lose just a, a little bit of its luster that game. Like, hey, Michigan Ohio State was for the Big Ten East Championship this year. What same with 2016? I can't ask for anything more than that, you know. And, and Michigan had their chance, and, and they blew it. Sure. I mean, I think that, and those are all fair points too. Um, and I think that maybe the conversation that may occur and this was something that got a lot of backlash when they were talking about this a few years ago and potentially like splitting Michigan, Ohio state up, you know, whatever. The thing with that is that maybe if, if you, if you're banking on those two teams playing in it for a big 10 title, cause there's the two best teams in the conference, maybe you wind up taking that game off the last Saturday in November. And that would piss a lot of people off because it's just always been that way. But, um, I mean, either way, like you play them when you play them, Oklahoma and Texas play when they play, um, and they had a chance at a rematch. I mean, we see it in the NFL from time to time where a couple of divisional teams will play in week 17 and then play right again in the wild card round. So like, I don't, it doesn't really bother me because yeah, it does, it does take the, I guess the stakes out of that game a little bit more, uh, for sure. But it's one of those things where a conference championship should be played between the two best teams in the conference. Like not like, right. Period. Uh, uh, Yep. I get that. That's how I feel about it. So um, if they do that, I don't have an issue with it. Um, You know, I think that if this is going to become like a uniform thing among the power five, like I do think that we need to maybe just like scrap these conferences and kind of redistrict things a little bit. Because I, I think they should definitely balance the divisions. 
I don't. Yeah. I, I, if you're gonna stay with division, I mean, it is obviously ridiculously lopsided right now. And and I get it. There's a lot of good coaches in the West right now, but will they ever get on par? But you can't, you can't. It's not really fair to do that either, though, because you know, a couple years ago, two or three years ago, we'd say, "Oh man, like Michigan State, like that's another superpower in the East." Now, are they? Are they really right? But you, but so you absolutely least- have the three best teams in the East because I, Wisconsin, I even think, uh, may have been a little overrated last year. To be quite honest with you, sure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you have the three, you have the three, maybe the four best programs in the Big Ten in one division right now. So that's, I don't know, but to me, like it's things can just change so fast. Like when these divisions right. were created, like Michigan wasn't a, a superpower or. Uh, no, compete. But I think everyone thought that they would get back to that point because that's just who they are. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is that it's hard to tell what can happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say? And we'll talk about Ohio State here in a minute. But who's to say now that Urban Meyer's on his way out the door that maybe Ohio State like falls by the wayside? We don't know what Ryan Day is going to be. So to it's just to me to me I would just scrap the divisions and just do top two at the end of the year you're going to play for a chance uh, for, for a big 10 title. And if it's to me, the core of Michigan, Ohio state, isn't that it's the last weekend of the year, things like that. To me at the core of this historic rivalry, so to speak, one that Michigan needs to earn its way back into, of course, like we talked about what at the core of that rivalry lies, the big 10 championship being on the line. And if it happens to be two weeks in a row, so be it. Because, like, make no mistake about it, there are going to be years where, like, Michigan or Ohio State will come into that game and have to win that game to get to the Big Ten title, whereas it may not matter for one team. So, you know, I don't know. I see it both ways, twice, to be honest with you. I, I, I see it both ways, definitely. And, and I'm not sure how I would feel about it. The only time I've ever wanted a rematch was 06. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Like I, I wouldn't have wanted a rematch this year. No. Like that's what would have happened in what we're talking. Right. Like, it's like one of those like please not in the face two weeks in a row type things. So and and uh, and then so say that happens. Say both teams are undefeated eventually down the line, going into that that last game of the regular season, and they're both guaranteed to play each other in the, in the conference championship game, and probably the winner of the conference championship goes to a playoff, whether it's six, eight teams, or four teams in, in the future. Do we see coaches holding back in that regular season game because they know for sure they're... Or sitting players out. Yeah, or sitting players out, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Um, And that's where if you're going to call your shot and hope that Michigan and Ohio State are going to be those best two teams playing for a Big Ten title, like if that's what you want to position that as, then you got to consider taking that game off the last weekend of the year and putting it earlier on in the season. Like that's... That's the middle ground here. So to me, those are your options there because I do think that there, that could happen. And yeah, pride is on the line and his, historic stuff is all on the line and all that. But um, I, I, it's a nuanced conversation. We could probably do an entire show just on that. Probably like, could, man. I, I don't know. Um, all I know is that doing things, just go, just flat out going to a playoff of eight, probably maybe puts Michigan in there this year. Let's just say for argument's sake, it does. 
and you wouldn't you wouldn't have earned your way in there because you lost correct two best teams that you yep. played so i i like that there's incentive to it's the same thing why a couple of weeks ago chris said he didn't want ohio state to lose to maryland because he wanted michigan to have to earn it to get to indy it, so and this is a- i i like no, go ahead. Well, this is this is an outlier year because of Notre Dame throwing a wrench and everything. The only thing I don't like is that, and I get the don't lose to Purdue thing, but a one-loss Big Ten champion who beat the the number seven team handedly in, in this and and beat the number what twelve team in in Penn State. Like if they're left out of the playoff, and hell, they were even number six. And I get it; they they almost lost to Maryland and whatnot. But they won all but one of their games, you, you know, in, in Ohio State. And I hate that I'm arguing for Ohio State. I absolutely hate it. But as long as I'm here, man, I will advocate that a one loss Big Ten championship, Big Ten champion should get a shot at the playoff, whether that's four or six teams. And maybe that's a reason for expansion. I don't know. But I hate that Ohio State doesn't get a chance as much as I hate saying that and advocating for them like they're a one loss Big Ten champion, and I'm going to poke fun at him for the 29 point loss at Purdue. Don't get me wrong, but this is just me being objective, taking my way uh, from a Michigan fandom. Like, it, I would be pissed if if I was an Ohio State fan, or if that would have happened to Michigan. To be quite honest, yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, Ohio State, to me, if you want to say like, I'm thinking what this is me thinking in real time now, like. Sure, yeah, you went to Purdue and lost by 29. But you also beat the number four team in the country by 23, and, and you put almost 70 points on them. Like, And they went in a happy awesome? valley on a whiteout night and won. Like, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I could see – I see the argument for that. Like, honestly, like, this is where you go to six. You get to have – Yep. Say you have – I Oklahoma think six, six is perfect, man. I, I like it. Six – Six would be amazing. So, and then just think like, just use it in like the context of this year. You have Oklahoma, Ohio State play at, we'll just say it's at Oklahoma. Ohio State's playing for revenge after Baker planted the flag in the field, whatever it was last year. So it's like the drama is there too. Like it's the drama is there. The storylines are there. And it's still, like I said, after you get outside of that five or six, I don't think that those teams are like national title contenders. Right. We can talk about what's fair for conference championships or not, but like, I want to see, I want the games to matter on the field. Correct. Uh, Georgia should not have been, should not be rewarded for losing to the two best teams that they played. Georgia did nothing to earn a playoff spot this year. Nothing. No, they didn't. They did apps. Like, they barely like they lost to Alabama by seven, but they were also up by 14. It's it's almost like they're getting credit. For what they did last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, make no mistake about it. There are politics involved. ESPN, who is really the, at the forefront of championing as that narrative, they have the rights to the SEC. So I don't, this is kind of a stay woke, of course, but like, I don't want to say that like management told them, hey, let's push this narrative. Like, I want you to like, give this take and, and feel this way and, and well, put this out. But, but, but at like, the end of the day, like even the commissioner said that people voted, some people in that committee voted Georgia in their top four. Like they finished ahead of Ohio people, State. Those people are idiots. Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> agree. <laughs> There's no other way to, like, 
I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like Michigan, Michigan was, Michigan went 10 and two, but they lost to Notre Dame by seven. It wasn't as close as seven and they got blown out. So their argument was that, Well, is, I think, I feel like people are forgetting Georgia got blown out by LSU. Like that wasn't a game. Yes. Oh, but uh, LSU, LSU uh, matched up, you know, almost beat Bama. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. They got blown out by Alabama. So it's like. And they lost to Texas God. A&M. Yep. There's no, there's absolutely no argument for them other than I'm telling you, that's all it was, was that there's no drama. We know who's going to be. It's not like the high, like there wasn't drama in the Heisman trophy race until like people were actually started paying attention to what Kyler Murray was doing. And like, now I'd be surprised if he didn't win the Heisman because the numbers right. are there. They're in the playoff, all that. So like that wasn't manufactured drama. It's act, like, this might be the closest Heisman vote we've seen in a while. Like it's going to be fascinating to watch that on Saturday night, but like the playoff stuff was manufactured drama. It was, that's all. It was. Other than the committee it's, members actually voting Georgia as their number four team. Well, those people are, idiots. <laughs> I don't know what else, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Like I, I got, I've got nothing else for that. Like that just that's, makes me irrationally mad. You know, I know it's, it's that sec bias and recent, like, Going into that game, we thought, okay, well, if Georgia wins, Alabama's probably number four. Okay, that's cut and dry. I still don't and, like that. I'm not a fan of that either, but that would – I can't necessarily right, argue against right. it. And But to me, the consensus, the consensus going into that game was that if Georgia loses, they're out. This is our playoff. Right. Why did that change? Because they only lost by seven – did you watch the game? Did you watch them choke that because away? Because for the they second year in a row, they lost to the goddamn backup quarterback? That's hilarious, too, is that they got reversed to it. <laughs> like, Tua came in and led that comeback in the national title game. And then Tua gets hurt in this game. Jalen Hurts comes in. Everyone had left Jalen Hurts for dead, and he rips their throats out again. So it's like, guys... It's like the Mean Girls quote: "Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going right. to happen. Stop making. Stop trying to make Georgia Alabama happen. It's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. Done. Like Finito. you got it there. There you go. And I think Oklahoma deserves a chance at Bama. You know, I, I think anyone else deserves a chance at Bama. It's not just like everyone's acting like Georgia's the only goddamn team in the country that could play them close. Like, let's see what Oklahoma could do against those guys." Because I saw, oh, I, I saw a defense that's see, susceptible. I'm of, see, I'm of the opinion that every team that's in the playoff right now can give them Absolutely. a game. I, I see these spreads at ten, or I think Clemson a ten point favorite over Notre Dame, and, and Alabama is an eleven point favorite. Those games, like I'm hitting, I'm, I'm taking the underdogs in both of those games against the spread. Like those are going to be two really good games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean. At the end of the day, I don't know much more how much more I can really say about the playoff no. other than I believe that the the four best teams in college football are in. I don't think anyone got screwed. And in UCF, sorry, like no, go play like no. play somebody. And that's where let me bring back the Peach Bowl thing real quick. I would have rather see like someone needs to beat UCF. I would have loved like that's what kind of would have drove dragged me back into like being intrigued in bowl season was if Michigan had a chance to shut up UCF and then, or like, just like they had never played LSU before Michigan LSU have never played. 
So like those are intriguing matchups. I would have loved like a Harbaugh and Coach O press conference. Like sign me the f up for that. I, I would have loved literally anyone like Michigan, Texas, Michigan, Georgia. I'm in on all of those games, but I'm so sick of Michigan, Florida. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's it is what this it is. is like the this is like know. the one time where the the Michigan fandom travel thing has actually backfired. Yeah, yeah, that's that's now. The thing is, like, if Michigan had gotten into the playoff, like, yeah, there would still be people like, uh, I don't really know if they're a playoff team because they lost to Notre Dame, but, like, that's where the travel thing would have definitely been in their favor because, like, Michigan, uh, a 12-1 Michigan was not going to miss the playoff. Like, that just wasn't going right. to happen. So, um, yeah, the asses in seats giveth, asses in seats yeah. taketh away. <laughs> All right, so uh, as we wrap things up here, we do want to talk about the news. Obviously, that came out yesterday in Columbus. Not necessarily – a huge surprise if you've kind of been paying attention. I, I think when the announcement came is a bit of a surprise to me because it's not like they're doing a coaching search. I don't know if it was a recruiting thing that they did it, but Urban Meyer stepping down and just giving the reins to Ryan Day. You know, the, there was like no search, anything like that. Who can they get? They must have a ton of confidence in Ryan Day. Yeah, Ryan Day, like that's a weird – I don't want to say it's a weird hire because obviously – he coached them when Urban Meyer was suspended and and all of that, but like, doesn't it seem like his rise has been like a little bit like much, way too quick, pretty fast. like way too quick. Um, I mean, I I haven't heard him discussed like in that same breath as like a Lincoln Riley has or or think like we knew that Lincoln Riley was like an up and coming guy some, enough to where they're like, let's be honest, they probably kind of pushed Bob Stutes out the door for him. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case here. Um, I think that when you talk about the timing of it, I think that a lot of it has to do with this early signing period. And to give Urban Meyer some credit, I think that he may have done an honorable thing for one time in his life when he said, like, I just I just wanted recruits to, like, know what the future was. So, like, here we are. Like, I don't want them to sign in a couple weeks and then be like, oh, well, our coach isn't going to be here. Didn't have any problems with his coach leaving when during the Mike Weber recruitment or anything like that, but, like, so there's a little bit of a, I don't, I won't call it a silver lining, but I, I think that's why the timing was what it was. Um, and a lot of people think that he's going to end up coaching again. I don't necessarily like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just naive because he's done this before, but, and I know that it feels like a lot of people feel like it's scripted. And, you know, the, the second that that statement came out back in August that they were kind of setting up for this and all of that, like I get it and that's fine. Um, if Urban Meyer is going to have a job after all this and he was faking it, so to speak, he should go into acting instead of coaching. Cause like the guy physically, like mm-hmm. he was pretty dedicated. If like that was, that was an act. So um, I don't know, man, it's Ryan day. Like here's what bums me out from the Michigan point of view is that no matter what Harbaugh does now, like, cause he'll win, like he's going to win a big 10 title or two or, or who knows, like, we know that Jim Harbaugh is probably going to be here at least like the next 10 years or so. Like that's not a hot take at all. Um, I've said that a lot in this show. I'm catching myself. That's kind of weird, but um, what we like, we don't like, it's going to always have that stain on his record that urban was his daddy. (laughs) And I like, he never beat it. I get it. But like, I don't think, and I said this today too. So uh, our friends over at uh, big drew and Jim over in uh, grand rapids, um, they, they 
posted out like a, a Facebook thing or a Twitter thing that was like, are there no more excuses for Jim Harbaugh next year or something like that? I was like, there were no excuses this year. Like we found out this year that Urban Meyer is just a better football coach than the Jim Harbaugh. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't I think mean, there's any shame in that. Like Urban Meyer has won three national championships with two different programs. He took USC and won a f- freaking Fiesta Bowl, you know, with, or uh, yeah. not USC, uh, Utah, excuse me. Like he did big things at Bowling Green. Like Urban Meyer is one of the three best college coaches of all times. I don't think that that's necessarily a, a, a shame. Like there's, that's nothing to be ashamed about. And, and I th- well, the year, like the year, the way this year's went made it shameful, but right. I see what you're saying and, and not to cut you off, but someone once told me, someone told me I had this conversation a few weeks ago after that game in Columbus is that if you need someone to build a program, you'd take Nick Saban. But if you needed someone to win one game, you want Urban Meyer. No question. No question. So yeah, we're, we're talking about what Urban Meyer, like with him leaving, like to suggest there won't be a drop-off from him to Ryan Day is, is naive. Like he's not, Ryan Day, there's going to be a few games that he wins, that he loses that Urban Urban Meyer wouldn't mm-hmm. have lost just because it is what it is. Like I don't, I can't predict what Ryan Day's future is going to be like. Now he's got a five-year contract for them. So he's going to be around for, at least, I'd think at least two or three years. I mean, we'll see how that all goes. We know how we know how that mob can get down there. But you know, we're talking that Urban Meyer. He's only lost like what eight or nine games total since he's been at Ohio 80, State. Eighty-two and nine, like eighty-two and nine. That's, that's insane. I mean, I'm not. I see a lot of people like kind of going nuts on social media about it and being like. Oh, thank God he's gone. Michigan will finally win. And yeah, like I think that you should be pretty confident that they win next year's game in Arbor. Like they had better. God, if they if so they like, don't, hell will break loose. Well, like I'll let's be honest. Like if they lose that game next year, we need to have a different conversation. Yeah, we, yeah. But but we'll we'll save that for then. This is what the takeaway out of all this is, and I wrote about this: is that the takeaway is that it's not Urban Meyer that's going to be bullying you anymore. Like the the monster under the bed no longer exists. Doesn't mean that that's not to say that Ohio State is dead or on the way down or any of that. But it's going to be interesting to me to see how it shakes out like on the recruiting trail. Uh, we've we've seen Meyer bring in talent at almost a an Alabama like pace at OSU. Mm-hmm. I mean the, even when this year wasn't their best team but they they were able to out athlete Michigan and out scheme them yep. too, which was disturbing and you have to you have to hope that that wasn't ryan day's doing yeah like here here's your audition right just think of like a let's think of like a harrison ford voice like here's your audition kid. (laughs) like here you go i i I have i tend to think that that was an urban meyer special that entire week because yeah just lit their asses on fire but it's like so meyer leads columbus 7-0 against michigan um to me, like I said, the bummer is that Harbaugh couldn't at least get one of them against Urban Meyer, uh, but really doesn't have anyone but himself to blame for that or his team. I mean, you can't put it entirely on him, but it was his team. Uh, and, and Michigan wasn't able to close the gap or, or grab the baton this year on the field, but it's another another golden opportunity for them, staring them right in the face to swing things back in their favor. We know that Harbaugh hasn't good enough against the rivals. Urban Meyer was, like I said, we're talking about one of the two or three best college coaches ever. 
and, and when coaching changes occur, so do opportunities to change the status quo and all of that. So she hasn't done it on the field, but they've got a chance now to maybe um, to maybe do that. Now, here's here's the interesting thing, though. This doesn't change how I feel about the changes that Michigan needs to make. Like this smash mouth bully ball type of football. Don't you can't you don't scrap that because even with Alabama, we've seen them go to more spread up tempo type of stuff. But late in games when they need to crush you and rip your soul out, they can go, you know, sixteen plays for ninety yards and and grind out a clock. Like you don't want to scrap that, but we need to see some changes there. They, they're already going to be forced to make some changes with McElwain going to, uh, to CMU. But like, I don't, I, I just feel like the opportunity is there. And you've got a couple of, of stubborn coaches in the East right now in a Harbaugh and Mark D'Antonio, who needs to make changes to his staff too. Like making a mistake about it. Like Ohio state's still on top. They're going to be the defending mm-hmm. big 10 East champs, big mm-hmm. defending big 10 champs. But everyone here, it's your chance now to kind of position yourselves to, um, if you're playing a giant game of Jenga to pull out the brick that, that tumbles the whole thing over for them. That, and, and and I think that you make a good point because Michigan with this offense, man, they couldn't beat anyone in the playoff with it. Not a single team. I, I don't think even, nope. even Notre Dame going into the Ohio state game. I was like, Michigan, if they played Notre Dame again, I think they would, they would win. And then I watched the Ohio state game with, with that offense and the way Ohio state was able to slow them down with that defense. I was like, man, I don't think so. You know, like I don't think they'd beat anyone in the playoff right now. And that's the disappointing part with it. So hopefully that and Jim Harbaugh is a smart guy. Like I think he'll figure it out, but the offense needs changes. But uh, the last thing on urban Meyer is it, Pretty much, he's going to go down as a winner. I heard Will Kane say this. Actually, he's going to go down as, as a winner, period. And and that's both a uh, that's both a compliment and an insult. That's exactly what Will Kane said, and I thought it summed it up perfectly because there's nothing more to his legacy other than that. But he will go down as one of the best three, in my opinion, football coaches of all time, uh, college football coaches of all time. But that's it. wasn't uh, He wasn't a good leader. He wasn't a good person. You know, when it when it all comes down to it, maybe we'll see him down the road. But all in all, I think Urban Meyer leaving is is good for the rest of the Big Ten. I think the rest of the Big Ten had a had a definite bit of a, a, a they're not going to show it, but a little party inside themselves. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sitting here, and and this is what kind of pissed me off about all this was that after the basketball game was over on Tuesday night, instead of getting like. Listen, those desk shows before and after games, I mean, no disrespect. Most of the time, they're just not that great anyways. But, like, instead of just giving me, like, a few minutes of, um, hey, what what an impressive win by Michigan basketball, it was right back to the the heroes, you know, recapping the hero's journey and, you know, Urban Meyer stepping away and blah, 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 blah. It's like, give it a goddamn rest already. Like, he's not a hero. Like, he is a very good football coach that's, walking away for, for health reasons. Uh, I'm not going to dispute that because what my eyeballs saw was um, that was disturbing. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to see anyone anguish, you know, in anguish on a football field, like the way he looked like he was, but like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I don't, I stop short of saying that he's a scumbag and a terrible person. I just think, I think he's an incredibly ignorant person 
I think he's an egomaniac who was who was more concerned with the perception of of how he is as a football culture other than anything else. Yeah, and you enabled a psychopath to like right. run around just because he was Earl Bruce's kid and he was uh, he was a damn good recruiter. Like we'll call it what it was. Like that's why people at why why would Urban Meyer stick his neck out for this guy? Uh, that's why. <laughs> Like that's what it was. Did you so, see all those? Did five, you see all those guys in space that were crushing Michigan's defense? That's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, at the end of the day, I'm just like, it sucks that Michigan wasn't able to beat him because he's insufferable. But he's gone. There's at least a little glimmer of hope now. If there weren't any, there weren't any excuses this year. But now there really aren't any excuses because. There's no reason why Michigan shouldn't be able to to get themselves back into this, and if they don't, they'll. Um, I don't know. I just have one final thing to say on it. It's bye, Felicia. Bye. Goodbye. Not yeah. gonna be missed. Not, not. Yep. Won't miss him. Don't don't no. care. Goodbye. See ya. Maybe you'll coach at Notre Dame in a couple yeah. years. Don't care. Bye. USC. That's where it'll be. All right. Well, it's been a fun one here tonight, Anthony. We, we got a good one in, absolutely. We miss Chris. Love hearing Chris's takes on things, but uh, we did a we did an okay job, I thought. You know, little little duo mission, two-man mission here tonight. Yeah, not bad. Not my best work. I think you did a fine job as always, but we do what we have to do. We certainly... Got to give the people what they want, short... baby. Oh, I'm all about that. All about delivering the goods here. So uh, I guess... Any final thoughts before we get out of here? I mean, I know that the Harbaugh to the NFL it's, stuff it's just is not going to happen. There. That's that's the one thing I want to say. It's not. Chris Carter can say what he wants. John- it, it, Jim Harbaugh is not leaving. Like he's not going back to the NFL. Yeah, that's John, John you make it. Go, um, just he'll let you know if it's going to happen. I promise. Yeah, it's stop. <laughs> just just stop. Like I'm not even going to address no. that on this on this anything. Anything more than just saying, like, we've already given it too much attention. Right. So um, anything else kind of burning or on your mind here? Um, we... You know what? We'll save. We got another week next week. I do want to talk about the the people, you know, saying things about Rashawn Gary not playing in the bowl game in here. We, we talked about that before the show. But that's that's a little lengthier discussion that I think we could save for next week and maybe get Chris in on it when he's back. I think I think it's important all three of us are here yep. for that one. Yep, I agree. So I have no issues with that. Well, then uh, let us know where we can find you on the social medias, friend. Well, uh, okay, I'll go through the list here. You can find me on Twitter at, at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, you can follow the show at Brewcast Show on Twitter. Uh, of course, follow Mason Brew, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Mason Brew Podcast. Now subscribe, uh, rate us, give us a good comment. Just rate us five stars, please. Please, please. Uh, please. please, a five-star review. And you, and you can leave a review uh, even if you don't like our show, like whoever uh, whoever left that last review. Just review. Just leave one. You can even talk shit about me. I don't care. Some feedback. Like, if if we suck, tell right. us. Like, I think a lot of people, like, a lot of people throw out, like, uh, tell them where we can find you on social media, bro. And they want people to, like, tweet at you and be like, oh, I love the show. It's so amazing. I, it's a, It's a weekly listen. It's an appointment listen. No. Tell us if we suck. Like, please. I want to know if, if we did a, a terrible show. And if you, and if you so, have any questions uh, that you want us to answer, like, feel free to ask them. We'll get to them on the pod. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll start opening that up a little bit more as we roll through here. I mean, I think that we will be hitting uh, the Sahara Desert in terms of things to talk about here soon. 
So we'll have to mix it up and we will. Uh, we've got some bright minds here, but uh, Maze of Brew podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, directly on Maze and Brew. Subscribe, rate, spread the word, all that stuff. And you can follow our Twitter page at Brewcast Show. That's where you can interact with all three of us at the same time. And if not, you can find Anthony on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. So make sure you go and do that. Uh, you know what? I love engaging with everyone, all the Michigan you know, fan nation out there. A lot of great discussions here during football season. Going to be a lot into basketball season and the football offseason as well. So, uh Chris Castellani, he'll be back next week. And uh, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Garrity. It's been a fun episode of Brewcast here tonight. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.